This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Amy Love. Any project I want to do, it's usually not no, it's just when is the question. And so being able to look into things like an internship or power structuring things or what types of things we can provide has really empowered me and made me realize that, you know, a lot of the things that we think can be barriers aren't often barriers, I guess, if that makes sense. Like the barriers you build up in your head with, you know, I won't be able to do this or I won't be able to uh, make a difference this way. Like, you know, with pediatric music therapy, I was thinking, you know, I won't be able to do this because I don't know, I just thought some barrier would come up. And so far, I mean, the barriers have been in my head. (laughs) So I think that all has empowered me to continue and help other people feel supported, whether they have been in the field longer than me, or they are new professionals, or they're students who, I see so many students, and I talk to so many students who are like me, who just like have such a passion for this, but haven't been given the opportunities yet. So I just want to hug everybody and uh, make this area of music therapy a little bit um, more welcome. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're having a wonderful day and a beautiful week. Today's conversation with Amy was so enjoyable. Um, Amy is the creator behind pediatric music therapy, not like the niche of pediatric music therapy within the music therapy profession, but (laughs) the online presence, uh, pediatric music therapy. And she is creating wonderful resources, good connections for our professionals and students. And we just had such a beautiful conversation about the um, give and take of being a music therapist, specifically in the pediatric medical setting, and also just some of the realities of having this job and navigating things. And I so appreciate uh, her honesty and vulnerability and openness to to just sharing her experience so candidly. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and links to all of Amy's offerings via pediatric music therapy will be linked in the show notes so you can find them. And as she mentions in this episode, um, we so appreciate any support you're able to give. So both for her platform, Pediatric Music Therapy, but also for Music Therapy Chronicles, please consider following us on social media, um, joining our group on Facebook, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, those are so appreciated and really help the show be more visible to other people trying to find this content or who have found it and just aren't really sure what it's all about. One of the other ways you can support the show um, is by taking one of our courses over at mtpodcastcollective.com. So MT Podcast Collective or MTPC is a platform I co-created with Kate Shannon at Creative Therapy Umbrella. And we are creating podcast-based CMTE opportunities. This is a new thing. We're figuring it out. Um, We found ways to get these CMTEs pre-approved and uh, hope that that is 
and something that you will find value in as a listener who puts the time in to listen to the show, you can get CMTE credits for it. And um, purchasing those courses is a great way to support the show. And we so, so appreciate that. All right, let's get into this conversation with Amy. All right, Amy, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thanks for having me. Thank you for making the time to be here. I know you've had a, a busy week and a busy weekend, even though it's Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Got my coffee. I'm ready. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you for uh, making the time to be on and to to talk with me. I really appreciate yeah, that. So to start us off, can you tell the guests anything about yourself? It can be music therapy related or not. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so my name is Amy Love. I am a board certified music therapist. I work at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital with kids with oncology diagnoses in Memphis, Tennessee. And I've been here for a majority of my time as a music therapist. Um, and during this COVID time, and as I've felt maybe a little bit more settled in my career, I decided I would take on a little bit of a side project. So I uh, am now running a website called pediatricmusictherapy.com. And it's really just a place for music therapists and also students who are interested in this work to feel empowered and to develop new skills and just feel more connected. I feel like we're all very all over the world and not communicating as much as I like so uh those are my music therapy things i am a pretty boring person outside of music therapy land um i don't have tons of crazy things that i do but i enjoy uh baking that's a new exciting hobby and mostly just talking about my pets i have a uh calico cat paisley who i got my first week here in memphis and I have a Chihuahua Terrier Schnauzer named Simba, who is just the cutest thing, but such a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Oh, I love that. Um, I also love talking about my pets. So totally <laughs> down for that to make an appearance uh, in our conversation here. So... The stuff you're doing online is awesome. Uh, I love the way, yeah, you said it, like you're trying to make connections and empower people. And, um, you know, especially during this COVID time and everything, those are those are feelings that can be hard to get. They're, they're kind of a stretch for some of us right now to, uh, yeah. to get that. So thank you for doing that work. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been really cool. You know, it's, I'm sure you know with Music Therapy Chronicles, like putting yourself out there sometimes is terrifying because, you know, it sounds like a good idea to you, but it doesn't necessarily maybe translate out outside of your brain. Mm. So I was pretty nervous to try something like this. And of course, imposter syndrome rears its head. And I don't know, there's so many music therapists who've been doing this longer than me, but something I felt passionate about. And um, I just thought about me as a student and how I kept looking for resources that I couldn't find. So I wanted to make those, especially as an internship director now, you know, mm. I hear a lot of students who are looking for things like this and don't feel like they have experience or the right resources to feel prepared. So I want, no matter what school you go to or where you're from, you feel like you have practical good resources. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Um, it's also more and more, I see the conversation of 
students and new professionals feel they need these resources and they're told that they should seek out, uh, you know, supervision and help and resources or all these things. But then there's a paywall too. And it's like, yes, yeah, so the people putting out these services deserve to be paid for their time. But as a student or a new professional, it's very yeah. hard to to compensate for that. So it's we're all in this kind of like catch 22 and trying to find that balance of how do I provide um, something that is accessible, but how do I also, uh, make it worth my time? Because like you said, you work full time and you do this on the side and, um, yeah, yeah it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. My husband always asks me because every once in a while, I, I mean, I'm thinking about this probably way more than I should. I think about it all the time. Even last night it was like midnight and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this next project. And this is what I'm thinking. He's like, it's 1230 at night. We probably should talk about something else. Um, and yeah, I, th I think it's so important to have affordable resources. And in my perfect world, I could just offer everything for free. But um, I basically am just trying to keep the lights on. So those those prices just keep the website running. Yeah. They keep uh, like all of the tools that I need usable for me. Uh, but I... I don't do any of it for the money. I know that's probably a bad business practice. It's not really, a, I guess, a business, but it's not like a business to me. But he'll always ask me, you know, are you having fun? Because that's really yeah. the revenue that I'm looking for is to feel like I have this creative outlet where I can talk about whatever I want to in the field. And if I'm not having fun, then I, I step away for a little bit or I change directions because it's not, well, it's not really making money for me as much as it's just fueling my passion and keeping, keeping the website up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth because as you were talking about um, having more projects in mind, and uh -huh. I, I was thinking like, what a great creative outlet and that you, you have this full-time position that can support you, but like you can also yeah. use pediatric music therapy and your platform to put projects out into the world and see what sticks. And like, if it doesn't, you're not, um, you're not reliant on it. So that's, yeah. that's an awesome, I think that's an awesome business model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, I love, love my full-time job. It is exactly what I wanted in my career and more. And my institution supports me. And I mean, I grew up there. I like to say, like, I was a, baby music therapist when I got there and they have fostered me and you know invested in me and uh, it's amazing but you know at the, at the end of the day right you're seeing patients I have admin that goes along with that um, I have projects specifically for St. Jude and I really dive into that as well but it's nice to think about what am I passionate about what do I want to share with people and what message do I want to get across and I don't have to think about you know, how that fits into my day-to-day -day job. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, That's funny because now you've given two avenues. I was going to say, okay, so let's dive into like your music therapy journey and how you got to where you are and how that grew into what you're doing now. Um, yeah, let's, let's go there. So, so tell us about like how you got into music therapy and, you know, what experience you've had um, at this institution that has, has fostered your ability to, um, to grow as a clinician and to have the energy and the, the time and resources to do more. Yeah, I think, so we're going all the way back. Mm -hmm. um, when I decided to major in music therapy, it was kind of a happy accident. I'd actually um, scored music therapist as the answer to my career for a career aptitude test mm -hmm. in high school which was pretty funny looking back at it now. That was my number one choice that they gave me. But I kind of forgot about it. You know, I hadn't really heard of music therapy and was going in for music ed and special ed as a double major. And then heard, remembered about music therapy. Luckily, I went to the University of Dayton. They have a music therapy program. Anyway, so I got into music therapy. And I can't remember a day where I was like, you know, the pediatric music therapy setting is for me. I just always kind of knew that. And so I had an amazing institution and there wasn't a music therapist at the children's hospital just yet. So I had limited ability to learn a ton about peds and I had amazing professors, but that wasn't just 
really what they focused on. They focused a lot more on mental health um, and addictions and that kind of avenue of psychotherapy. And I learned a lot from them, but I was really craving this medical music therapy side. So I was lucky enough to be the first intern at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And I think I was given maybe a little bit more freedom and creativity being the first intern because speaking as somebody with an internship now, you know, you're figuring it out as you go. There's no, that's another thing. There's no like perfect, how do you supervise student handbook? I kind of wish there was, <laughs> um, cause that would have saved me a lot of time, but, um, obviously that's a, you know, individualized thing too. But so I major, I was there at Nationwide Children's and then kind of had the rug pulled out from me, right? That was my perfect hospital. I still love that hospital and I loved my supervisors. And then you can't just stay there forever and work free. So I was so sad when I had to leave. I worked for a little bit at a private practice, but knew I wanted to be back in peds. So jumped in uh, to any job in peds anywhere in the country and was rejected by so many hospitals. And I think that's like a key thing to share with people that, you know, I am not a special person. I just uh, really wanted to be in the setting and was going to make it happen eventually just by sheer will. <laughs> and so then I applied to St. Jude, actually got rejected from St. Jude and they put it back up like three months later. And I thought, heck, why not? I was uh, in my master's program then. And I think that that was the criteria that they like automatically weeded people out with. So I was able to start there. And again, kind of like my internship being the first, I think there was a lot of creative freedom with what this kind of looked like. And people just build you up, you know, and you're the first music therapist. And I spent a lot of time in my first couple of years questioning if I was doing things right, or if another music therapist that was common thought was another music therapist would have done this better or they would have had better thoughts or they'd be a better musician. And I, there was never a switch, but I think one day I just realized, you know, I think I am a competent music therapist and I am bringing a lot to the table and I'm getting this good feedback. I am lucky to be mentored by a lot of amazing clinicians outside of music therapy. So a bunch of child life specialists. I'm very close with one of our chaplains and he provides me a lot of uh, good food for thought. And, you know, they've supported me going to conferences and my dues and um, any project I want to do. It's usually not no, it's just when is the question. Mm. And so being able to look into things like an internship or how we're structuring things or what types of things we can provide has really empowered me and made me realize that, you know, a lot of the things that we think can be barriers aren't often barriers, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the barriers you build up in your head with, you know, I won't be able to do this or I won't be able to uh, make a difference this way. Like, you know, with pediatric music therapy, I was thinking, you know, I won't be able to do this because I don't know. I just thought some barrier would come up. And so far, I mean, the barriers have been in my head. <laughs> so I think that all has empowered me to continue and to help other people feel supported, whether they have been in the field longer than me or they are new professionals or they're students who I see so many students and I talk to so many students who are like me, who just like have such a passion for this, but haven't been given the opportunities yet. So I just want to hug everybody and uh, make this area of music therapy a little bit um, more well-known and not so niche. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for, for sharing that and sharing the vulnerable parts of those story or of your story, yeah. because um, it can be so easy to look at, um, look at you, I'll say, look at you now and, you know, like you have this full-time position, it's what you wanted, you're doing this stuff on the side, like, um, but if you are, you know, Amy X amount of years ago and you're like, you're listening to this episode and you're like, but I, like, I'm trying, I've like contacted all these places, I keep getting no's and like, you know, yeah. 
it's important. You know, yeah. you just need one job. <laughs> My parents used to tell me that about dating. You just need one boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, it'll come around. It's just perseverance and timing and luck. But I just want to encourage anybody who's listening who has been contacting a hospital or has been getting rejections, you know, continue to work on yourself. Uh, I took that time to start grad school. I went to my NICU training, my NMT training, uh, guided imagery, and really invested back into myself. And I think that that also helped move the process along a little quicker. Yeah, totally. So if someone is in that position, you mentioned NICU, NMT, and guided imagery. Are those like three that you definitely recommend you invest in for yourself? Or do you have other things that you've checked out since then that it's like, this is also a a good avenue to check out if you're looking to go down this medical path? I'm a like lifelong learner. I always need something that I'm like working on. Mm -hmm. You know, I am one of those people that the continuing education credits are never really a concern for me because I just (laughs) enjoy doing them so much that. I, I get through them very quickly. Um, but I would say as far as those, I don't really use a ton of the guided imagery work, but I enjoyed that so much. And mm-hmm. that process was really good for me as a, just a human being. I think that NICU training is always good to have. And I don't have a NICU where I'm working because I work just in pediatric oncology, but I think a lot of those principles you can pull into work with infants. So I'd really recommend the NICU training. I also think it makes you more marketable. Um, and NMT is so funny. I I grew up in my undergraduate career in like a psychodynamic music therapy world. And so ugh, NMT and behavioral is like not, you know, something that I felt very passionate about and kind of hated on. And in grad school, I had a professor, Pete Meyer, And he kind of called me out on it a little bit and said, you know, have you ever like used it? Can, do you see the benefit? And he walked me through, I think an RAS and I was like, oh, okay. Like there's a place for all of this. And Mm -hmm. so that has been really, really helpful for me, especially working with kids with brain tumors who have neurologic impairments. Uh, I've really valued the NMT training. I also am certified in pediatric massage, which is a, pretty fun uh, second certification. And I can pull that into my work and encourage parents to use massage techniques while we do music. So I really enjoyed that. Um, And I think just keep looking into courses or webinars. There's so much out there that's great. I would love to do the hospice palliative care music therapy training. I haven't done that yet, but that's on the list. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely sound like a lifelong learner. And I'm right with you where the the CMTEs is kind of just like, I just want to take it for fun. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped entering them into the website. So what is something you mentioned that medical music therapy is a niche or pediatric music therapy is a niche. So what's something you wish that uh, other music therapists knew about pediatric music therapy and what's something you wish that like the general public knew? So um, yeah. if I, I am a non, I'll put it this way, I'm a non-medical music therapist. So what's something you wish I knew so I could explain it to uh, a lay person in my life who might be experiencing some medical situations with a child? Yeah, I think that's such a good question. And there's so many ways I could answer that. Yeah. So... I guess I never really realized until recently that pediatric music therapy is a bit of a niche in music therapy world because I'm very biased and that's <laughs> what I think about all the time. And that's the research and the literature that I seek out. Right. So that has been an adjustment in my brain, right? We're already a niche field and then we're kind of this smaller subgrouping, but I think people talk about it so much. Mm which is interesting. And I think a lot of people value it, but I think what I'd want other pediatric or what I'd want other music therapists to know is, I don't know. That's such a good question. I guess 
I'll go to the parent one or the lay person first and then I'll come back to the music therapist. But for the lay person, I just want them to know like we're just an added layer of support and Mm. that can look like a lot of different things. I think when you typically see, and I guess that's what I would say for pediatric music there or for regular music therapists too, is when you see the commercials or like the small snippets of what music therapy looks like in a children's hospital, it's like the prettiest, shiniest version of what it looks like. And that's not an everyday occurrence, Mm. right? So um, a great example is I was at work this week and this patient was having a lot of behavioral issues and refused to take their meds until they had slime, right? So <laughs> I am not above providing <laughs> things that I know where they are to help support kids and give them choices and autonomy. And there are moments where you are in like just really intense feelings that can be really positive and they can be really um, sad, but it takes a lot of energy, I guess, is something I would want people to know. Mm. And sometimes it's a very focused energy. It's just so different. There's no setting. I feel like the medical setting because we're working so closely with a lot of people who maybe don't understand music therapy as much as like an allied health profession would. Um, so that relationships are key too. I'm kind of rambling, but those are some thoughts that I have. I think, no, it's all, all valid, um, and important. So yeah, please feel free to ramble on anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, so good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on, you said like you, you, what you generally would see is, you know, the sparkly, I don't want to say final product, but like a really positive moment in the day that could be like the only positive moment in your day. And again, just like knowing rejection's going to happen. It's also important to know just because things aren't always happy and sparkly doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Like that's just the reality. Yeah. It's twofold. I think because yes, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that was a hard part for me when I first started in peds was, and luckily I had had an internship and had like at least the framework of what my supervisors had shown me, but having a lot of those difficult moments didn't invalidate who I was as a music therapist. Mm. And we're also a part of the process. And typically if those parents are unloading on you it's because they feel supported by you and you've developed some rapport with them or they're in a very vulnerable position and the other side of it that i want people to know in a in a positive way but also just a realistic way is i feel like i get a lot of students who are interested in medical music therapy because they see those shiny products and they think that's what a normal day at the hospital looks like but I might have a day where, you know, I get vomited on and it's like running down my legs and some kid throws an egg shaker at my head and a nurse kind of snaps at me because she's stressed and she has some stuff going on on, as far as the medical side or, you know, there's just all of those little tiny components to the day that you have to kind of keep a level head about and know that that's just a bit of what the hospital might look like. So if you, if you feel like you're comfortable in those kind of ups and downs and roller coaster, that was really hard for me in the beginning. But I think too, another thing I've developed as I've grown here, oh, I was just like the quietest, like least confrontational person of all time. I didn't want anyone to be upset with me and I didn't want to upset anyone as far as like coworkers or people that I worked with. And I realized quickly (laughs) that you have to be able to advocate for yourself and to have difficult conversations with coworkers um, because that's how we learn more about each other and develop trust as a team. Mm -hmm. So I think a big thing about pediatric music therapy is, you know, I'm actually an introverted person by nature 
Um, but you have to learn to sell yourself to every room you're going to. Mm. <laughs> and so being confident and being able to speak up to people you don't know is definitely a, a learned skill for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, well said. Well said. Hmm. I appreciate too that you acknowledged um, the impact that co-workers can also have I think you know I I was thinking the day doesn't always look perfect because your session doesn't always look perfect but you're also like well sometimes your co-workers are having a bad day and you get the brunt of it and like that's an important thing to realize yeah so, and that's not you. just pediatric music therapy I mean that's probably <laughs> just every job ever mm. um, but I think as helping professions that's maybe a little bit harder for us because we want things to be all copacetic and happy and feel good. Um, but then that's who I am as just like a person now, because I've realized if I don't advocate or if I don't say what I mean, that people aren't going to understand what you mean. So, you know, even with my interns, I tell them on day one, you know, I'm a blunt person. I will tell you exactly what I'm thinking. If I'm not saying something, I don't think it. (laughs) So I think, I think that that's important that we all kind of are more transparent with each other and have these kinds of conversations. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So let's shift into, actually, no, I have one more question before we shift. Um, What has your COVID experience been like being in a medical setting and um, probably a little different than most of us? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a a really nice year of, learning and growing. Uh, I remember right before COVID happened, not really quite understanding the full grasp of what this was going to be. I don't think anyone really knew, Mm. but selfishly thinking, you know, oh, great. I'll get like a week off work, stay at home with my husband. We don't get a lot of time together. Um, Now I just think back to that selfish version of me. (laughs) What did you bring upon us? Um, So yeah, we were sent home in March and that was nice for about 48 hours, (laughs) but I am not a person who does well, clearly. Just sitting and not doing things. uh, I really get a lot of my identity and value and fulfillment from being a music therapist, which I guess I didn't realize the extent of that until I wasn't able to do my job mm. and kind of having to ask myself this question, who am I, if not a music therapist at St. Jude, who am I as a person, yeah. which sounds silly, but when you spend so much time and it's such a core component of who you are and what you share about yourself with people, that was really hard. But that's just on the personal side. So then we were home for about four months, but I had the opportunity to do some volunteer work with my hospital in the sense that they needed people to, you know, we've done testing. So like help with testing or I volunteered at one of our housing facilities and delivered meals to patients. And it gave me such an appreciation a new appreciation for my institution and all those moving pieces and what a place like St. Jude does for their patients. And I tried the telehealth thing and it's not a popular thing to say, but I just want to validate for people who are having trouble with uh, with telehealth. I hate telehealth. I do not enjoy it. Um, No program is going to make me feel differently. I feel like I'm, I'm open to it, right? I will do it if it needs to be done. And I am open to the idea that it might be, there might be some program or something out there that can help me feel better about it. I have yet to find that program or thing. And I think it, it pulled back for me what I love so much about this work and it's being in the room and being a therapeutic support and presence for patients and Mm -hmm. The importance of, you know, especially in my setting, these kids are so isolated already and they are missing family and 
being able to develop rapport and relationships in the room with families is inherently therapeutic. So having that pulled away, I kind of felt like I was trying to do music therapy with my hands tied behind my back. Mm. (laughs) Um, And a lot of my job is being a therapist of opportunity. So if I'm walking down the hallway and I hear someone crying or if I run into the hallway and see a mom that I've been working with and she shares something with me that helps me maybe prioritize them higher, talking to nurses on the unit, that's how I get a lot of my good referrals. So it was a really, really difficult period for me being home. And my boss was very supportive, but you know, every time I called him, he really wasn't able to give me anything other than, you know, we don't know yet. Um, so now I'm back at work. My interns are back. I'm very, very thankful. Obviously we have certain restrictions in place to keep everyone safe and we aren't running necessarily groups or anything like that, but it, it gives me such a new appreciation for my work. And also just, I will never say a bad thing about St. Jude because they have supported me through this whole time. I mean, I know so many music therapists in this setting and not who did not get a paycheck or did not know whether or not they would continue to be employed. And that was never a question for me. So I am just astronomically lucky and privileged and supported. So it's been an okay time for me, but it's definitely been like a personal growing time and recognizing what I love about this field, but also what things are important to me outside of work. Um, Yeah. So that's a little bit of my thoughts on that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. There were, there were so many very salient nuggets in there. So (laughs) thank you so much. Um, So let's let's shift into pediatric music therapy, your online presence, <laughs> just for those listening who might be confused. Um, so yeah, tell us about tell us about that some more. Yeah, it can be confusing because it's literally called pediatric music therapy. I was so surprised that domain was available, but thought, <laughs> I mean, it, it's very clear and to the point. Yeah, so I actually got the idea to start pediatric music therapy before COVID hit. I think I bought the domain in like December of 19. Mm. Um, And I wasn't sure what it was going to look like, but I knew I wanted to provide support to others and feel like more connected. I kind of felt disconnected and I like to reach out to people in this field. And I know a lot of pediatric music therapists and was hearing similar feelings about it. So kind of started this and I had written a book for my master's thesis it's called after the music and it's a workbook for terminally or for music therapists working with terminally ill children and adolescents and it is just a workbook to help music therapists cope with their kids dying you know it's it's been some definitely a learning experience for me so that's kind of where I had this resource that I wanted to get out And then it kind of just exploded as most of my ideas do where, you know, now we have a downloadable resource for students and it has medical terminology cards. I created like a developmental chart and how hospitalization impacts that development growth, developmental growth. Um, And it was everything I wanted as a student. So we sell that and I keep saying we too. My husband gets so irritated with me because I'm doing this with myself, but I continue to say we. I don't know if you have that problem. I also say we, and it's just it's just me here, guys. <laughs> we, me. <laughs> but it seems like more friendly or something than I, um, because I don't want it to necessarily, I don't want this to be an I thing. I want it to be a community thing, and I want to highlight other people doing great work because I have one perspective. I have one, you know, I have certain things that I feel more comfortable sharing my expertise in, but there are so many music therapists who have just amazing thoughts and feelings and I want to highlight everyone. So anyway, so we do that. And then we also do uh, group supervision for pediatric music therapists. And I just finished 
our 2020 cohort. And that has been such a positive experience and getting to see everyone get to know each other and open up about their work and what's difficult and have this little small group of PDMT friends is really, really rewarding for me. And we just dropped our procedural support guide and I'm very excited, our, my procedural support. <laughs> I'm gonna get better at this. But it is really, it's, I've worked on this so long. And that's the thing is I wanna provide just tons of info. And I pour myself into these for months, just making sure that they're exactly what I want. And so I wrote like a 40 page guide on procedural support and helping with things like port accesses and IV starts. And I also wrote some original music, which was really fun. So I've written some songs that are specifically geared towards these ages and what helps with procedural support with different age groups. So that's kind of where we started. We've added some things as we've gone along as well. So we have a blog where we feature my rambling thoughts and also the thoughts of many other pediatric music therapists. So I enjoy working with other pediatric music therapists to get their thoughts out there. And probably my favorite thing that we've done is called medical rounds with music therapists. And it's like, a, I don't know what to call it, like a Facebook show. I, people have asked me if I would do a podcast version of it, but I like the being able to see somebody's face for this mm. particular type of show. So I keep it on Facebook live and also on YouTube and we feature a different music therapist every month and we ask them the exact same questions. So, you know, how they got into this work, what's difficult about their work. And this is kind of like a twofold thing where I want students to be able to hear from music therapists. I always tell this story and he probably will just like roll his eyes at me. But when I was a student, I really want to work at Seattle Children's. And the music therapist there, his name is David Knott, and he is just an amazing person and music therapist. And I'm sure he got millions of students reaching out to him, asking him questions, but he took like an hour to talk to me. And I still remember that now, and I've had the chance to work with him on groups. And it's those things and being able to hear from people who are doing the work that has really inspired me to keep going and to look for that job that I am so lucky to have now. So it's there for students, but it's also there for other music therapists. So they feel like maybe some of their thoughts, they're not alone in those thoughts and they're not alone in their struggles or mm. what brings them to the work. So we, I try to, I try to, pick varying people and I'm excited to see this kind of continue to develop. But, you know, we had one of my absolute favorite music therapists, Marielle Baird, um, as our first one. And she's been in the field around the same amount of time I have. So she's from Texas Children's. And then we had Nathan Mensa, who was just incredible and super funny and very charismatic. And he's at Cincinnati Children's. We had Brian Shrek who I think a lot of people know, especially for the heartbeat songs. And he's just an incredible person to listen to at Norton Healthcare. And then one of my interns, Cassidy Bessie, and she um, is now at Nebraska Medicine and starting her own program, but she is just a few months in. So, and then our next one will be Rebecca Martin and she's at Chalk Children's and she's just incredible to talk to. So I'm trying to vary how long people have been in the field, what their background looks like, because there's a room for more diversity in music therapy in general, but also in pediatric music therapy. And I mean that in all senses. So, you know, we are predominantly white females and I would like to see that change. But also, you know, just because I, I loved having Brian Shrek and he was on my short list of people I wanted on this, but he is, has been in the field for a long period of time and his thoughts and feelings are so valued, but also Cassidy has been in this field for a few months and her thoughts and feelings are so valued and so valuable. So I just want people to know that whether you've been in the field for 20 years or you've been in the field for four months, 
you have a voice and you have valuable things to share with other people. Wow. Thank you for saying that. Um, that is a big part of my vision with this podcast yeah. is to share. Yeah. The different perspectives. Um, yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you for also fostering that within our profession. Yeah. Um, actually for just for the listeners, some of my most downloaded episodes are with students and interns. Um, so, you know, whether that's other students and interns want to hear from students and interns, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or like professionals want to hear so they can better serve the students and interns, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, so important that we get those voices out there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I will uh, link the, all the stuff you mentioned so that people can find that easily in the show notes. Yeah. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what else you have coming. Do you, do you want to share any other big vision, small vision you have moving forward? Um, how long do you have? <laughs> as long um, as you want. It's your episode. <laughs> no, I, uh, I am very close with our chaplain uh, on the solid tumor service at St. Jude. His name is Walter. And I frequently am banging on his door and I'm like, here are my new thoughts. What do you think? <laughs> he always rolls his eyes. He's like, where do you get all these thoughts? Um, but I think there's a lot of things I want to do. So one thing that I'm pretty excited about is we might be shifting into some other avenues for interviews. I would love to interview some musicians on how they have been impacted by music because I think that would just be a cool other way to remember that, you know, just because we're not only music therapists are connected to music and that we Mm -hmm. all can kind of share that together. And so I have maybe some things in the works with that, with some really fun musicians um and also i'd like to i don't know there's just so much right now i think i'd like to provide some more coaching so i have some things in the work as as far as doing some more one-on-one coaching i'd like to make group supervision more accessible so i'm kind of exploring some avenues to make that you know not a make it a fun thing and make it something where you don't have to commit to maybe every month So I'm looking into that. I would love to feature more music therapists on the blog or if they have ideas for courses or anything like that. You know, I feel like I'm providing the platform and I want to share as many voices as people want. And yeah, I think I think that there's a lot in the works, but I haven't flushed out any idea I'm one of those people who just jumps from like project to project and then I'm like hmm now what do I do <laughs> so, there's no plan here it's just you know and then people will give me suggestions and usually those will help a lot so if you ever have suggestions or things you want to see I am always open to collaborating or to providing anything that people are interested in yeah. So if someone has an idea or they want to be on the blog or they want to collaborate, where where should they reach you? Yeah. If you go to pediatricmusictherapy.com, you can go to the blog and there's actually a form on the blog where you can tell me your thoughts on what you'd want to uh, feature. Typically, what I like to feature on the blog is things that are less about the specificities of the work and more your feelings about the work or how your process is kind of developed because that's just what I envision for this blog. I want us to kind of be transparent and open with how we've been feeling or how our thoughts might have changed with something so that we feel more connected to one another. Hmm. Um, you can also reach me at info at pediatricmusictherapy.com if you have thoughts. Um, I am throwing out a big kick this week as far as you know i'm sure you know this with music therapy chronicles is our little small businesses you know we really i'm going to speak for myself i won't speak for you but i'm sure you'll agree that you know reviews and comments and likes and shares mean just the absolute world to me because this is fueled like on my like hopes and dreams and passions and 
it it's not really like a business. I don't even like to think of it as a business as much as just a passion project and something mm. that I feel good about, but I want to make sure that other people feel good about it too. So your reviews, your comments, your follows, those all help kind of feel that drive and, and help me share that with other people. So if you have any, any thoughts like that as well, I, I just love them. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're just like speaking my mind today. I was journaling earlier this morning, um, having, you know, several recordings ahead of me today. And I was like, does anyone even listen? Like, like, does anyone listen to this show? Is like, is what I'm doing really important? Like, blah, blah, blah. And you're so right. Like, sometimes it is just like, someone comments, someone leaves a review, someone does something that's just like, oh, okay, like, this is meaningful. It matters. It's passion for me. But like, you know, passion comes and goes. You want to know that it, it it's going out somewhere. Like, I totally yeah. understand that as far as the, are you just doing this podcast and no one's listening? Because that doesn't feel good. And I know that's not true also <laughs> for this podcast. But, you know, it it's a lot of work on the back end. And not I'm putting all the money I make back into it because I just want to see other music therapists thrive. So hearing those things it doesn't cost money you don't have to buy anything off the website um but that that really does make a difference to all of all of our music therapy side projects or or full-time jobs (laughs) yeah oh thank you thank you so much um i've taken a lot from this conversation so i really i really appreciate that yeah is there anything else you want to cover before we do the rapid fire Hmm. I think I'll just say in closing for all of it, I, I sometimes will get messages like about, oh, well, Amy could do it. And I just, I don't think that that needs to be a sentence, you know, like anybody can do this. Anybody Mm -hmm. can run an account like pediatric music therapy or can, can get a job or start a program. I am not, there's nothing necessarily special about me I just have the passion and I was at the right place at the right time and I had the perseverance to continue to look at this um so if you have a passion project that you're interested in I really encourage you just to explore that and dive deep into it you know there's an account also that I like to follow and I just think she's a gem uh music therapy ed now Mm. and she's an intern you know, and she's running this amazing account and she has multiple students on it. And I just think she's so cool. And I think it's so cool what she's doing because I think students and interns might feel like they don't have the right voice for some of this stuff. And I mean, look at how that has kind of blown up. So no matter where you are in your career, you can do whatever passion project you're interested in and we're here to support you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that was great. That was really great. Oh, all right. First rapid fire questions. These questions right. are short, but your answers don't have to be. Okay. The first one is coffee or tea? <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Got my coffee right here. I've invested in an ember since uh, COVID, and it is the most ridiculous thing I've spent money on, but it is magical. Is it? So. I've heard mixed reviews. Oh, so good. I I love it. Um, But yeah, definitely coffee. It's a requirement in the morning. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Early bird or night owl? Night owl for sure. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm either. (laughs) I just like to sleep. I like the concept of being an early bird, but I definitely think I tend to be more of a night owl. But work has made me more of an early bird than I would tend to be. Hmm. Something you would tell your younger self? Stop being so hard on yourself. I think that it's so easy to think when I'm older, when I'm more experienced, I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. But stop being so hard on yourself. We all need time. That made me uh, think of the song that Olaf sings. This will all make sense. I sing that sometimes at work when I'm just like beside myself with something. Um, it's so funny. My One of my interns, I was having, 
you have one of those like terrible days where you're, you're thinking like, just, I mean, my ID badge kind of exploded. I dropped my <laughs> lunch. Like I was running late. I like lost one of my favorite earrings. I ordered food and got the totally wrong. Like, it was just one of those days where I was like, I should have stayed in bed. And she says, I could tell you're having a bad day because you either sing to yourself when you're having a great day or you're having a terrible Aww. day. <laughs> so that's one of those songs I sing when I'm not having a good day. This will all make sense when I am older. Yeah. <laughs> great example of um, using and modeling, using music as a coping mechanism yeah. in our own lives. Like it doesn't always have to be you sit down and play guitar for 10 minutes by yourself. It can be you no. walk down the hallway and sing. You sing a Disney song. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Oh, so accurate. (laughs) Your music therapy elevator speech. Mm. Now this one, I I think depends on who I'm talking to, but Mm -hmm. if I'm, I feel like I go to Trader Joe's to get groceries because they're just wonderful and I love all their food, but also Trader Joe's workers are just very kind people and they always ask you questions so I feel like I always talk about music therapy at Trader Joe's and what I usually say is um, I use music to help kids cope with being at the hospital and to feel more supported um, during their journey so and then you can go into things like that might mean and that's usually where I tailor things so that might mean writing a song with a teen who just went through a relapse or that might be giving a mom a break while I do something fun with her toddler or uh, just having a dance party in the hallway with some nurses. Yeah. Oh, I love how you keep throwing in those, um, the nurses and the colleagues and like how integral that is in your work too, because, uh, you know, and it could just be my background and my experience, but I feel like that's overlooked so much, but, um, we, yeah, I think too, with that one other soapbox that I have is that, and I was this, I was this music therapist and I'm still this music therapist some days, but it's not just our colleagues responsibility to reach out or to understand music therapy. Hmm. Because I think sometimes we feel so slighted as music therapists and nobody understands us. And I know that there's definitely a lot of education and advocacy that continues to need to happen, but also just giving grace to our colleagues and investing in those relationships. I know the nurses who invest in a relationship with me, I have better rapport with and we have better encounters for our patients. So it's it's a two-way street. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we can so often feel like the microcosm, both like mm-hmm. in our profession because of what we do, but also energetically we're the microcosm, like yeah. it's hard. Um, and yeah, it's important to not stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, good one. Your favorite self-care practice. <laughs> I am trying to be better with self-care because I am not very good at it to be totally honest I tend to overdo things <laughs> um, and I have been trying to be more aware of that as of late but I'd say my favorite self-care things are I always like taking baths that's like my number one thing if I've had a terrible day my husband's like go take a bath <laughs> um, spending time with my pets is a big one and you know, stepping away from things and taking a break when I need it is, is a new one that, that I'm trying to be better about because again, pediatric music therapy is a fun thing for me. So when I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Yeah. What a great philosophy. Yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Hmm. I don't know if this counts, but I, I'm going to say my interns. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, that is a good answer, but I am in my second or third year of being an internship director and supervisor. And I mean, truly nothing brings me more joy than seeing them succeed and just getting to see their, their confidence grow and interacting with, you know, our colleagues 
and I have two interns right now and they both just reached this week, their independent phase. So it's been like one of those weeks where you feel like a little mama bird who's letting your baby birds fly. But it's, it's a time where I try to like really sit back and, and uh, appreciate all that, the work that I've put in, but also all the work that they've put in and getting to see them succeed adds a lot of energy and happiness to my work day. Yeah, that's a completely valid answer. I love that. <laughs> uh, your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Ooh, again, this usually depends on the patient, but I'd say I wrote a new song for our procedural support packet. And it's called Sally the Snake. I think I'm going to share it on my Instagram this week. And it's about a snake who is making soup. And she's putting lots of ingredients in her soup. And some of them work and some of them don't. And it's focused on giving kids choices, but also focused on deep breathing. Mm. So that's been really fun. And it's like a song that I wrote. So that that's a fun one. And I'm excited to share that with everyone. And also uh, a couple other ones that I like a lot. My One of our previous interns, her name is Abby, she wrote a song about, uh, we, we do a lot of food things, I guess, cheeseburgers. And I really like her song about cheeseburgers. Maybe I'll see if she'll share it on our, our Instagram someday. But um, it just adds things to your McDonald's order. So that's been a... A really cool one and then I also really like Stephanie Lavelle and all of her her music I just signed up for her resource community and it's really amazing some of her songs make me a little weepy like the I can do things that song has got to be in the right mood to, to listen to that tune it's so beautiful but uh, I really like her music because you know like Raffi or something like Stephanie she she provides quality children's music and it's nice to hear songs like that after singing Baby Shark for the yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go on that real quick. One of the other things I really love about Stephanie's music versus some other music is I feel that she matches the accompaniment to yeah. the song very well where other songs that I find for children I'll use the example of like they might be expressing different emotions in the song mm -hmm. and like singing about how we would express certain emotions but the music is the same for the whole song yeah and I like you 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 missed you missed like this whole part <laughs> like yeah. if, if we're if we're talking about being angry I want to hear angry guitar like I want to hear anger or I want to hear yeah. excitement um yeah. yeah and she does a really great job of uh tying all of that together and we should all do that like I tell my interns it's not especially in the peed setting it's not about singing pretty so I don't want you to like go through mm. the whole song and sing it pretty like I want you to sing it in a way that's going to grab the attention of that child so whether that's having some really dramatic build or having some pauses or being really quiet or like you're saying reflecting the emotion of a song that that's all really important parts of it it's not just that you are a, a pretty singer. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation so much that I don't want to ask you this last question, <laughs> but I need to, I need to be respectful of your time. Yeah. So um, thank you. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having such a candid conversation. Um, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Oh, thank you. Um, so where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah. So there's lots of places to connect with me. I run, obviously, the website pediatricmusictherapy.com, so make sure to check it out. We just got a brand new logo, and mm. I just love it. I made my first one on Canva, so that one looked not very good, but this one looks amazing. I got a real graphic designer to make it for me. And so the website's looking great, and we also have an Instagram account, and I share a lot over there, and you can get good updates on what's coming up. And I also have a Facebook. So pediatric music therapy, they're all pediatric music therapy. And that's usually where we do our medical rounds with music therapists. So I hope you'll join us for one of those. And we also have a YouTube if you miss them. So, you know, reach out via email if you have thoughts or if I can support you in some way. 
um, I, I am available in all these avenues. Awesome. Yeah, I will have all of those linked so it's easy for everyone to find you and um, connect with you. Thank you. Thank you so much great. for yeah, uh, this. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, have a, a hope a relaxing rest of your weekend. <laughs> yeah, you too. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and gained some insight from it. Um, There were so many times when I was just nodding my head along and Amy was just speaking the words that I really needed to hear (laughs) the day of this recording. So I hope that you have moments like that listening to this show too, where something that is said uh, just resonates really deeply with you. And it's either the reassurance, the inspiration, the motivation, whatever it is you needed in that moment. Um, and that's one of the biggest reasons I keep putting these episodes out is to to hopefully provide, provide that, um, those feelings to you, the listener. So if you have had an experience like that, uh, an impactful listening experience, please share that with us on social media, in a review online, um, in an email, whatever it is. Uh, it's so it's so nice to hear when the podcast is making a positive impact. And um, like I said in this recording, it, it fuels me to keep doing this uh, on the days when motivation for myself is low (laughs) because those days happen right um so yeah please consider leaving us a review on itunes on facebook follow us on social media we are at music therapy chronicles on all the platforms Um, subscribe to the show and if you are interested in getting continuing education credits as a music therapist for listening to the show uh, i've created podcast CMTE opportunities in the form of um, podcast bundles and you can find those at mtpodcastcollective.com that's the platform you've created to house all of these different podcast CMTE opportunities there are currently four available on uh, MT Podcast Collective, two from Music Therapy Chronicles and two from Creative Therapy Umbrella so um that's a great way to support the shows. It lets us know that um, you are finding value in the conversations we're having on the shows. You are interested in deepening your learning. And um, we, we put a lot of time into putting those courses together to give back, to give more um, to those of you who listen to the show each week. So please check those out. Um, and thank you again so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Our quote this week is, even the smallest actions are steps in the right direction. <laughs>